0: How's it going, everybody? Top of the morning, and welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I am Ryan Carella, and it's a pleasure to have you here this week. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. I am joined by my co-host, Elisa. Hi, Elisa. Howdy, howdy. How are we doing? I'm doing well. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. I love... You, you look great. So festive. I'm digging it. Way to get Unwise, into the spirit of things. We thing. wear green. Thank you. No, it's nice. Um, I... Didn't realize until right now when we started the show, just 10, 15 seconds into it, that it was a catastrophically bad idea for me to wear green in front of a green screen. The uh, This is not really working. My shirt looks a little fizzy.
1: This was... You're, 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 you're a floating head. Yes. this right
0: Mistakes now. were made. This was not uh, well thought out. Perhaps I should have altern- alternated for a different chroma key for this week, but too late. We're in it now. You're talking to a floating head. Uh, deal with it. Accept it. How are you? See,
1: this is why it's important for you podcast listeners at home to come check out the show while it's live, just so you can witness the <laughs> magic and the mystery it and is. the mayhem.
0: Um, streaming is a whole other beast, and we're still just getting the hang of it. But, Alisa, I'm throwing myself into this world for the first time in my life this past weekend I streamed my first video game on this channel. Aww. I, mean, I know this is well trodden ground for you. You you stream a lot of games. You're a big rocksmith streamer. You got a cool community of your own. But I gotta say, I have I, I see now why you love this so much. It's, it's really fun. fun. Right? It's so you're much just,
1: fun. You're just hanging out. It's it's basically like if um if it's 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 for every sort of lapsed theater kid, it's it's a great opportunity for us to feel heard um, in a in, in in a world where some somehow we, we feel like we need to be. And, and Twitch gives us that platform. So <laughs> to great.
0: feed that insatiable appetite for attention that every theater kid is burdened with and the rest mm. of us just start podcasts. Uh, and, and and host them with their friends. All right. This is this is so great. Uh, I appreciate you bringing me into this community. I want to do more of these video game streams. I think it's a cool way to just further kind of spread the message of this show outside of just the traditional podcast setting to do other things, too. And so uh, I know it's going to be the first a lot of these streams. I'm, I'm really excited about it. And speaking of things I'm excited about, Elisa, boy, oh, boy, what a great show do we have. We're going to be talking oh. later with Mark parkside Renault. He is the president of Hidden Pony Records and Management, One of Canada's top music managers, uh, you know, he's just helped so many people get so many Juno awards. And if you're north of the border, you know, that's a big deal. But he's super cool. A lot of bands that we really liked growing up, this guy was all about that life. Uh, You know, he's a really, really excellent dude. And I can't wait to talk. He's got so many uh, cool things that he's uh, expertise on. Uh, The stuff that he does to to, uh, promote his clients during the pandemic is really inspiring his uh, philosophies on record deals and record labels definitely fits with our show 's philosophy, so mm. there 's a lot to like there, uh, but he 's coming up in the next segment before that though Elisa, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, something that i 've been waiting to talk to you specifically about oh, this God. story because i know don 't you, you, you already look frightened. No, I want to talk to you about <laughs> this because this fits into your expertise so well. This is something you study. That you've written books and articles and and speak about with great regularity,
1: he thinks I published. <laughs>
0: I mean, <laughs> you know, blogs and no, 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 no. You have like you you I, I, you've been you've have you not been in chapters of books?
1: I have been. Si- That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. I have been a, in in an edited mm-hmm. volume, and for some reason, I do get download reports of my dissertation, and for some reason, mm-hmm. people have read it. -hmm. So yeah, Uh,
0: we will not countenance any uh, Doctor Elisa Melendez putting down of herself around here. All right, we (laughs) we are dealing with an expert, particularly on this subject, and I'm excited to get your insight. So, an article came out in the 45 this past week by Janessa Williams titled "How Many Studies Into Music's Gender Imbalance Need to Happen Before (laughs) Things Change." Oh, yeah, (laughs) it's
1: not the studies. It's the people in power (laughs) that need to actually care Yeah,
0: Yeah. about that, because, yes, (laughs) as you might have expected, doctor, we have yet another study that has come out that says that there's a really big gender imbalance problem in this industry. Recent USC study that analyzed all of the albums that made the Billboard 200 in 2020, Uh, a sample size of about one thousand. Uh, you know, over 200. No, I think it's like over 1,200 albums, something like that. Um, and of all those albums that made the Billboard 200 in 2020, only 20% of those albums were performed by women. None from non-binary acts. Only 2% of the entries were all women bands. And now, when you get to the production side of it, it's even more depressing. Only 2.6% of the producers are female and only about 9 of the 1291 producers represented were women in color yeah. and the article goes into a lot about sort of what she thinks are kind of the sources of this and a lot of the usual suspects get brought up you know going all the way back to childhood we we sort of guide women towards certain career or certain uh, aspects of music that are more conducive to achieving industry success, and we, you know, we guide men more to that side, and we guide women away from some of those sectors. We might be more compelled to uh, having young boys learning guitar and maybe having girls learning the flute or something like that. Uh, a lot of those different things are kicked around, but rather than sort of deal with what this article said or deal with speculation, I want to you know, lean on an expert here and uh, you know, give you some uh, chance to, to talk about this a little bit with me.
1: It's 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 annoying because I feel like every every time um, this comes up, it it feels like we can't get past the the like women's studies 101 barrier on a lot of things Um, where where I sit, you know, we are complicating gender we 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 know that you know sex is not gender is not sexuality is not even you know performance um of said gender and yet um these are still concepts that I feel like sometimes um uh, have still not necessarily trickled down to sort of mainstream acceptance which means that it's 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 hard to try to make change in a society that thinks that because we get free drinks on ladies night that's somehow feminism and (laughs) equality and that is not the stuff that needs to change it's the folks that think that like well maybe if we just like throw a couple more gramophones at some ladies that's gonna fix the problem and it's the same people that think that we're just gonna make more categories of the grammys instead of actually looking in the mirror and figuring out why we don't have representation in major categories folks don't want to look in the mirror and see themselves as a potential problem and that is why folks refuse to change because the people in power are really like oh diane warren's great she's doing fine but what's the problem it's like you know we did a a, a little affair happened that was cute once right we had ladies being represented to to, to take your take your cookie lady and sit down be happy you know and and we can't get past that we can't get past the fact that folks with the ability to make this kind of change don't even want to see that there is an issue in the first place the fact that I don't know if Crimson could go out today in 2021 and play with another band that has a woman in it without the flyer or the promoter or somebody trying to call it like a women in rock night or like a chicks (laughs) rock night. Like, I feel like that would still happen Um, because it's, it's still somehow cute. It's still somehow a novelty. It's still women being called to the table to talk about their experiences about being women and not about being musicians. Um, And this is one of the reasons why I did my dissertation um, titled for those about to rock gender codes in the rock music, video games, rock band, and Rocksmith." Not that I have the PDF pulled up, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, but it's the idea that it's, it's, it's not only the industry itself, but it's, it's the places where folks could seek that inspiration um, in the first place to join the music industry where it's lacking. So I'm, for my dissertation, I look specifically at uh, the video games Guitar Hero and uh, rather Rock Band and Rocksmith. Um, but Guitar Hero is sort of listed as as one of those games that it's an example of a form of media, um, and this is true across you know TV, movies, the music we listen to, the guitar magazines um, that we read, and who's in the advertisements for those and how are they depicted? Yay! There's a woman on a you know, in a, in a guitar and bad, but is she straddling it and not actually playing a guitar, you know? Yeah. So like, it's, it's these questions of where we are seeing this representation. What kind of representation do we have? The, the women that are already in there, because then we try to think like, Oh my God, there's no women. They don't exist. <laughs> oh my God. This is the problem. Whereas It's also that there are women that have been in there and have been doing this for decades that are not being put in the positions of power to make change. So not only do we need to get more women in the industry, but we have to work at keeping the women that we do already have and empowering those women to then extend the ladder downward. Because if we're burning ourselves out, then we can't welcome in a next generation of folks you know, we we can't inspire the next Crimson yeah. if we burn ourselves out trying to fight this hard for stuff. So if you give me five hours, then maybe I could get to the root of it. But um, it's, it's, well, <laughs> it's very frustrating.
0: I'm glad that you brought up positions of power because in preparation for this, I wanted to see not just how things looked on the creative side, but see if we were seeing something similar on the in- industry side. And of course we are. Uh, only about 15% of major label CEOs are female, according to Rolling Stone. And you know, in terms of it being a crisis of opportunity for women, you know, not getting the opportunity to to have the spotlight in the industry and you know get your get your name and get your views out there. I looked at a 2018 study that was actually done by uh, somebody I, I talk about on this podcast all the time. I'm a big fan of Sherry, who. Uh, basically, she looked at um, a you know year's worth of music industry panels and found that only 27% of speakers at music industry conference panels are female, and depending on what the panel topic is, the disparity can get a lot worse. So, for example, a panels that talk about things like live venues or music hardware, the disparity is much lower, like less than 10%, and where you see uh, something closer to gender parity— is in topics like PR and music supervision. But, you know, so it's not, just a, it's not just a creative issue and it's not just an issue at the top, but you would imagine that, and you can probably speak to this a little more, that these music conferences are sort of a proving ground, right? It's, it's where you find the next CEO because this is where they get opportunities to network and meet people in the industry and establish themselves. And if they're getting, you know, barely a quarter of the seats on those panels, those are opportunities missed.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know if, you know, the the music industry sort of works in the kind of same um kind of symbiotic uh kind of machinations as as the game industry does, but one of the one of the big sort of things in terms of at least sort of diversity in the in the video game industry um is the fact that you don't sort of see that representation up at the top even things like access to these spaces, um, you know, being able to get a media badge to go to a conference or being able to, you know, work for a company that can sponsor your trip, you know, over to that conference in order to speak, um, that is a huge sort of barrier to access as well, because what will end up happening is, and then of course, this is a whole other thing, is the idea that you are supposed to get your networking done that doesn't happen necessarily at the event itself it happens at the after hours mm. and at the after hours you are more likely then to have more of these sort of insular packs where the click is going to invite people you know to the rooftop lounge you know only the folks that they know and if you keep only approaching the folks that you know then it's gonna be homogenous as hell um and you're not opening yourself up to new no opportunities not to mention that as as a woman going to events like these i have felt unsafe to be able to network in an opportunity where there is a certain expectation there's alcohol there's dances um there <laughs> some of the industry parties when i was first starting out you would not be able to look at today and they would not pass mustard. They <laughs> some of these things have not aged well, my wow. guy. And I cannot, I, I I have to think that it's it's sort of the same way in in a bunch of these different industries, where it's like the the environment where the business is supposed to be taking place is not even welcoming for folks. Um, so it's like if 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 we're not you know, building these environments for different people to be able to have access to and then thrive within them, then we're going to be seeing a lot of the same people and it's just going to be a revolving door of folks. And then it's going to be more of like, ah, shoot, we need a woman. What do we get? And it's a whole lot of that instead of like, hey, why don't we actively seek out a big wide net of people that are amazing and make sure that we are making things welcome for folks to want to participate and feel welcome participating in in this industry so I mean, that,
0: that, that point of it being active and, and being active about that is is so by the way uh, i saw one of the commenters wrote a uh, give me <laughs> five hours to talk about this <laughs> like, yeah see there it is yes uh, uh Zach Sloan, one of my favorite people just wrote you uh, give my her girl, five hours not, i've already taken
1: 20 minutes and we haven't even talked grammys and that's well, like Whoa. you know
0: grammys you know what it, it'll be there but i i want to get to a point that you said about um, you know, having to be assertive about this. I remember I once interviewed an artist on this program, a terrific female artist named Rory Kelly, and she used the phrase being purposefully inclusive when talking about, you know, you can't just say, oh, we're, you know, we're not going to discriminate or, you know, we'll take the best you know people we can get in. And, and if those are women, then so be it. You know, you, ha- you, like, you have to understand that there are barriers that exist that, are sort of keeping women away from you in terms of getting these opportunities and find ways to overcome them. So in the, in the micro list of micro, micro examples, this podcast and the guests that we pick, and I'm the first to admit we have a gender imbalance on the guests we bring that we've brought on this program in the past five years. It's something I've tried to be mindful of and overcome it and be more purposefully inclusive about finding women. Because part of the issue is many of the guests that come on this program come via publicists Many of mm. the artists you know, that publicists are pitching are skewing male. So if I want to achieve some measure of gender parity, I have to be purposefully inclusive. I can't just let the publicists bring people to me. I have to go out and find you know, excellent, outstanding women who aren't being given the voice because of the way this industry is set up. And you know, it's something that I'm really trying to do, particularly with this live stream. Uh, we got a, actually a lot of great guests coming up in April that I think are, are going to fit the bill here. Uh, you know, one of my favorite publicists uh, out there, Arielle Hyatt's going to be coming on the show soon, and uh, she's just absolutely tremendous. You're gonna, you're gonna adore her, uh, Elisa, and uh, plenty more uh, fantastic women coming up in April. That you know is going to be my attempt at being purposefully inclusive, inclusive. Understanding that at this point, I still suck at it, and I need to get better. <laughs> but we all do, because as you said, like way in the beginning of what has just been gold that you've been spinning this whole <laughs> segment, Elisa. <laughs> Is you also talked about that we all have to look inward. We can't just all say this is a problem without admitting our role in perpetuating the problem. And you know, in my micro level, I'm perpetuating the problem with my own gender imbalance on the guests I bring on, and you know, people who organize conferences, uh, people you know, giving people opportunities in, in music studios or uh you know making sure that it, you know if you're a music teacher you know making sure that you're encouraging women to take up the right you know instruments that they want at a young age we all have a role to play and as long as we just as long as we're saying there's a problem but i have nothing to do with it i'm on mm-hmm. i'm on the good side that's not good enough
1: yep and 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 even find find ways where you can maybe like and and this isn't this isn't you Ryan this is this, it, this is the royal be. you the royal you <laughs> um if you know if if you can find the time to be like brave for 2 seconds because the the amount of discomfort you might feel at doing this far outweighs everything that a lot of folks like us have had to deal with do the uncomfortable thing and be like hey how much would it be for me to either bring my awesome colleague along who I know can speak to this better um and replace me on this seat. Hmm. Um, or, you know, I demand that another seat be added. Um, like if you are, you know, extend, extend a ladder down and kind of be a part of that change, if you can kind of, you know, spare, spare that moment and and maybe, you know, be the kind of person that is like, hey this panel's looking a little pale. Maybe we should fix that. And being the, you know, the the person that speaks up about it so that we don't always have to be the folks speaking up about it. And then we end up being like, well, they're being hysterical. They think it's a problem. And it's easy to sort of put it on on the folks that are complaining and that are, you know, the most affected by it. Um, Instead of being like, no, 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 no actually, this does kind of suck and we should probably fix it. And, and we, sh- we, we, we need more folks doing, doing that thing. Um, that, that would be great.
0: Viewers. And, and, and like, wow. be be the yeah.
1: promoter, be the promoter that books like three women bands, you know, three bands that feature women and don't call it a chick rock night. <laughs> like do the bare minimum. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Like, <laughs> Viewers, listeners.
1: And that's not even being done. So like.
0: Elisa's bringing it like and if you want more where this came from uh, before we talk about the Grammys Alisa can you can you tell them a little bit about your Patreon about the content you oh. got coming out cuz <laughs> like speaking of well. you know empowering excellent women in music you know i mean t- t- tell the people what you got for them
1: <laughs> so actually it is it is it is thank you very much for 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 the auspicious timing um that i just announced uh what the new video was going to be on my patreon at patreon.com slash elisa rock that is e-l-i-s-a-r-o-c-k-d-o-c Um, And that is um, on my YouTube page. I do silly, overthinking uh, music videos where where I do kind of real-time reactions and interpretations of lyrics in a way to analyze them and hopefully make you think about the songs you already love a little bit differently. And the next video that I'm going to put out, it will be live for patrons on Friday, but for everybody else on next Music Monday, I'm going to make that a thing, um, it is going to be a counter of the amount of times that Missing You is uttered in the song Missing You by John Waite. Wow. And I'm very, very excited because uh, that is one of my favorite uh, trivia questions in music. So I wanted to answer that definitively
0: <laughs> man, that's, in my own way. That's like a, a, a <laughs> licks to the center of the tootsie pop kind of question. That's groundbreaking. <laughs> I love it. Okay. We got uh, Mark Mike parkside Renault coming up next, but I, I gotta get a little bit of Grammys from you. I will confess, <gasps> I did not watch it, but to be fair, I looked at the ratings, so neither did America. True, <laughs> but I did watch some of the performances. But I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping you can give us some of the some of your favorite nuggets from the Grammys.
1: All right, so really quick before the commercial break, sort of rapid fire Grammys. One, I this this is probably the best Grammys. It's a shame that people didn't actually watch this one this may have been the best Grammys telecast in recent memory. And I feel like people have been really hitting it on the head when they said that they just focused on music and the people who make it and the performances. And that was it. It was like no big sort of like, Oh my God, these two people are performing together. The drama there's, there's, everything was tasteful. It's like when it, it, it was like, ah, it's almost like they Coco Chanel it, you know, <laughs> every, everything about glitz and glamor about an award show before they walked out the door, they actually took off several accessories and they said, we are going to go back to basics. They had this beautiful theater in the round concept with different stages with each of the bands, uh, featured, Um, throughout the night and they were basically playing in a room to each other and you got to see musicians vibing with other musicians and as a musician who has not been able to do that for a year that was a huge emotional experience just to see other musicians vibing with other people in the same room and the focus was on that and then giving out awards and that was it And the performances were great. The tributes were tasteful and not super gimmicky. It was a fantastic show and kudos to them. And the only complaint I have is the showrunner who put Bill Burr to announce the Latin Music Awards in the telecast. (laughs) I don't blame him, although I blame him a little bit. I do not blame him. I just think that is the crappiest show running you could have ever done. And I say that as somebody who has done some crappy show running in her day. So I'm speaking from experience. That is not a mistake I would have made. Man. Like, damn. You,
0: you were putting out so much energy on our friend text chain when that Bill Burr thing came out. You could have, we could have hooked that text chain up to a turbine and powered Las Vegas. You are like,
1: Bill Burr, what is this? Because- Because here's the thing, from a show running perspective, it made no sense for him to be doing any other award than like a grouping of like comedy and spoken word and narration stuff. That would have been perfect. And then you get the person who is a a member of the actual community and B can speak the language and pronounce these folks names with respect after they've worked so hard to get here maybe you get the person who could do that to announce those awards instead of the person who who didn't and then instead of you know blaming himself um you know for for not doing the best in a bad situation preemptively blamed feminists for the conversation that we're currently having now (laughs) <laughs> Thus enabling him to hopefully make more money on his eventual canceled tour. Congratulations!
0: <laughs> so, what you're saying is your theory on this for the for the for the for the uh, nominations of the pre telecast awards is instead of actually being mindful of like who they had doing each category, they just took all the presenters and all the categories and just went like <laughs> shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> or, or yeah, they it was... or they, they, they had it, they had one of those bingo machines with like the numbers yeah. that.
1: <laughs> It was one of those like band name generators, you know. It's like, okay, so like it's it's the first syllable of the first name of the first nominee, plus, and then that is that is the person. Like best heavy metal album, Betty White. All right. Hey, I'd actually really see see, that's the thing. That would be be an inspired choice. (laughs) That is an inspired choice. That is juxtaposition. I like it. I embrace it. And I feel like Betty White would be able to roll with that pretty well. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And that's the thing. It's like, I, I would feel awful if I was put in that situation, you know, trying to say things in, you know, on the spot, like, like, I like that super sucks who didn't put phonetic spellings on the cards for things. They do that at my graduation (laughs) and they, you know, and they do better going through like 3000 students than the, like, this is what I'm saying. Just like, and, and it's the, it's the idea that like, um, this amount of care, which is this much, wasn't exacted. You know what yeah. I mean? And then it's sort of like things like that that make you start to feel like you're not a priority. Yeah. And then those are the little microaggressions that tend to trickle down and make you feel like a butt <laughs> trying to do your thing in the music industry when this is the thanks you get for it. Know what I mean? Not a mean? Not not, a great feeling. Not a great feeling. Well. And hence, why it is that we are seeing a, a, lack, of, um, a lack of representation because it's just little paper cuts like that that to just kind of ruin it for a lot of folks and on that note well
0: and, and look elisa <laughs> i gotta say i know it's not easy to like just bear all that stuff out and to have to <laughs> like relive what i'm sure you know insight that's not just forged by the amazing research that you've done into this subject area as part of your doctoral study but just from your lived experience and i know you're like Ruh. dredging it all up for this <laughs> and i appreciate it i value it thank you Man,
1: I'm an elder millennial. I've been around this. <laughs>
0: okay. We're going to take, take two, <laughs> and then we're coming <laughs> back with uh, Mike uh, Parkside-Renault, and we got some fun and games. Don't go anywhere. Break the business back in two minutes. Ow! Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Carella, PA, Miami, Florida.
2: Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including... Audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. LEK Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life.
0: Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at BreakTheBusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan Kair, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. One of my favorite things about sitting during the commercial break is is watching Elisa because the way that the, the software works for this streaming platform, and she's still dancing. That's great. One of the, <laughs> the way the software works in the streaming platform is even though we're seeing the main picture of, um, even though we're seeing just the uh, commercial break, we'll be back in two minutes. Placard. I can still see everybody's window of all the people like producing the show, like Lauren, and we got uh, uh, Parkside waiting in the wings coming in in just a second. And so I can watch everybody as they're listening to the commercial break. And every time the ad for just asking people to follow the podcast goes, you can you can email the host. That's me. Elisa always <laughs> giggles 100% of the time. It's she delightful. loves that part. It's
1: so <laughs> cool. you like butters. You're like butters. Um, You're like butters. Sp-
0: That's me. That's me. <laughs> uh, okay. So now, speaking of production, um, Lauren, our producer on this show... Lauren, I noticed that in the show logos, you took the time to find a four-leaf clover logo. And I don't think you were able to post it in the first half. There it is. Okay, much better, But because I I messed something up with the overlays. But yes, let's get that in there right now. It's St. Patrick's Day. Let's be a little bit festive here. And speaking of things to celebrate, let's go ahead and bring on our guest this week. He is the president of Hidden Pony Records and Management. You can find out more about his work by visiting hiddenpony.com. .ca, mike parkside renault here on break the business hi mike
3: hi thanks so much for having me tonight and i was enthralled by the previous discussion about female underrepresentation and i was hoping i might add to that conversation as your white male cis guest today
1: <laughs> go right that, on it
3: is, is that possible i <laughs> want right to say ahead. that um, one of the most fabulous producers i've ever worked with is a woman named karen kazowski in N- nashville and she produced and co-wrote a song for our very muscly uh, country artist named Ryan Langdon, and the song was called is called Lit in the Sticks, a really uh, bro-y kind of over-the-top rock and roll fun track. And uh, Karen uh, is doing so well in Nashville that she was just on the Grammy Awards as the band leader to Mickey uh, Guyton. Mickey yes. Kelton. Great
1: performance.
3: She was the band leader. And if uh, you're more than welcome, I'd be more than welcome to pass her contact info. She's a fascinating person. And uh, she would be an amazing guest from the production side of things.
0: Oh, yes. Um,
1: This is how you do it, folks. This is exactly how you do it. I'd like to
3: also say that, you know, (laughs) one of my biggest clients is a band called The Dirty Nil, and is three white guys from my hometown of Hamilton. And we've been very fortunate to tour with a variety of interesting artists that I think have had a profound impact on how we view the world, including, you know, War on Women, who we toured with, with Flag. And also, we did a couple tours with Against Me. And Laura Laura Jane was gracious enough to be on Luke's podcast. And that's a fascinating interview about uh, songwriting and uh, Laura's uh, acoustic record that she did. And um, so... I'll say this, like when I first got in the business in the mid-90s, I remember conversations when Alanis was big that, you know, uh, while we have our one uh, female on the radio, and so there's no room, even in the era of Lilith Fair. And I guess I am encouraged by the fact that there are quite a few strong female performers that are doing well across different genres and are getting uh, a lot of support. I know behind the scenes... There's a lot a a, a long way to go. And uh, I purposely avoid taking spots on boards that could go to uh, someone maybe uh, that would help with a better representation. If I can bring something that is uniquely of value, then I'll consider it. But otherwise, uh, if I can do the same thing that someone else can do, there's no reason for me to be there because there's other people doing that already there. So those are some of the things just personally from my point of view that I like to do I have uh, had employed women in long-term positions in my company, um, people of color, and uh, in a weird kind of way, I've never thought about it, and I'm kind of proud of that. So um, there's a whole bunch of us that can do way better. And if you know, I've been here since the mid '90s, so been through a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of movements, a lot of technical changes, and there's just no room for any of that type of behavior anymore. Not just in our industry, but in our society. So, um, that's what we got to do. So, there you go. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Oh, and 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 thank you. And I think it's 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 important for folks to do like a couple of things. And one of them is to you know in 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 your career when you think about where where your trajectory of your industry career should go, I think folks just think about more more accolades, more this, more that, and and you turning down seats is is suggesting um, a a way of thinking that is better and that is not thinking about more but about making this industry that I love better mm-hmm. and and maybe that doesn't mean me taking up more space Maybe that means me taking up less space and and giving it to other folks I can make. The industry better, so I think that's that's a mentality that 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 I think is is fantastic. Um, and sharing space, like like there is like legitimately plenty of space for everybody. Like like yes. people can like yeah. different kinds of music. Like it's it's okay for you to like more than one woman in rock. Like it's okay, you know what and I mean.
3: Listen, and beyond and beyond <laughs> it being the right thing to do, it's a great business decision to understand as many different types of people and cultures and point of views as you can. Um, because you're ultimately in developing artists in the way that I have, you're trying to find their authentic voice and help them find a community. and if you don't understand multiple communities, then you're doing things one way and in this day and age that's not going to work. So um, for me, I like to listen a lot. I also am very aggressive when I get you know my mind set on something. but I love I, I need the challenge of people in my universe uh, challenging my strong opinions, debating me so we can get to really creative, ideas, unlocking things that might help us with an artist, take them to the next level. So, uh, I, I need, I don't want just a bunch of me's around telling me what I already know. You know, yeah. so
0: has your thinking on this subject, which is, I mean, not, not to substitute my judgment for Elise's on this particular subject, but you, you know, you're pretty darn enlightened about this, which I definitely appreciate but have your views on this sort of always been there for as long as you can remember, or, or has there been kind of an evolution of you, as you've listened to more of the discourse on this subject?
3: Uh, I would say that I always inherently, even younger, you know, I mean, i made mistakes as a young man in your teens. Um, in the time that I was a teen, the eighties, you know, late eighties was, uh, early nineties is a, a different world. And, um, you definitely have been hyper-reflective about those periods of time and those kind of mistakes and learning from them. I'd say that throughout my more adulthood, I've tried to be as respectful as I possibly can. Um, I, I've never viewed the business as a place to mix, even though I've dated people in the business and and I've dated not people in the business, but it, it wasn't a, a social thing for me. If that took place, it was something that grew out of uh, a meeting at a late night party, I, like, what that's not where that took place. Mm-hmm. It was, okay, maybe we met there, and, and but I, there were so many people being sort of predatory, I always wanted to take the opposite approach and just be, like, the cool guy and not be that way. There's so much of that around, and I kind of also, like, if that was enticing to you, then I don't think that we would have gotten along. So for me, it wasn't an, an enticing situation, you know, Um from that point of view. I don't know if that makes sense. I certainly say that when my daughter was born, I think that that was, you know, it accelerated my views and she's taught me more about, um, everything in life from, um, social issues. Uh, and she's, you know, uh, 14 and she's taught me more about, um, the hierarchy of BIPOC issues and, uh, transgendered issues and all sorts of stuff. And it's fascinating, uh, and and thankfully, she's patient with me, and allows me to ask questions that maybe might seem slightly insensitive to someone who you weren't close to, but allow me to learn and mm-hmm. to. So I'm not making that mistake when I get to that person, yep. right? So that mm-hmm. when I get there, so I'm not perfect. I, I've made a lot of mistakes, and all I'm trying to do is, uh, you know, just make things cool for everybody. Yeah.
0: Like, that's this it. is this is really great insight, Parkside. Elisa, can I be real with you? I got a problem, all right? Because Parkside's dropped some gems here. like this is this is a great conversation. and I, I didn't think that uh, he, he would uh, you know volunteer information on this, and it's great and it's powerful and it it keeps the conversational thread going, which I appreciate. Here's the problem, all right. I have questions for Parkside. Yeah And the first question I have. Is like a really. What's silly... it like being
1: a woman in the industry? That's right. Wait. It's exactly right. Yeah.
0: No, the first question I have for him is like a really silly, stupid question, and there's no way for me to transition from it. what we're we good. just did. Hey, hey, we're good. We're good.
1: Okay, how about this? What what type? What's 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 the first question?
0: What's the first? Let question? me ask it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You, Just let me ask do you. Do you, want, do you want me to send you the question in the yeah, chat? And yeah, you can Okay. You you but but keep in mind, whatever gets sent to you, you have to ask this. Send
1: me the question. Send okay. me the question.
0: All right. It's, question. it's
1: coming in the chat. And Lauren, you, you, you This you, is good. Oh
0: goodness. Well
1: then. I'm 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 building a portfolio uh for for hosting. So 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 go ahead and, and throw me uh, oh. all sorts of silliness so oh. that I can be careful um, what
0: you wish for,
3: Lisa.
1: Oh. That's okay. a key question. That's a
3: key question.
0: <laughs> oh, I forgot so he can me. see the questions too. All
1: right. Go I've
3: ahead, to wait,
0: I'm, I'm stepping gonna, back. I'm all, all you.
1: So, I th- thank you so much for your insight and and you have been around and you have seen the growth of 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 so many bands and you've been around through all sorts of different changes in the industry up to and including. um this this awesome era of music that I that I know has been seeing a revival lately. I've seen it on TikTok. Everybody is super into pop punk and emo nowadays. And you have managed a bunch of legendary bands, up to and including some forty one, who I absolutely love. Pain for pleasure is one of my pleasures personally. Um. So so important question, and I'm and I'm fully uh, placing the square on these shoulders of our fearless leader Ryan here. He wants to know more than anything because he's been trying to do this for years now. <laughs> How long did it take Derek Wibley to get his hair just so, just like
0: that? <laughs> and there we well, go. There he is.
3: <laughs> yeah, honestly, not that long. But I, so I, just to, to make a correction, I did not manage them, but I was their Canadian oh. a person. Okay. A&R. At their, at their label at Aquarius. And uh, functionally, I was probably just their friend. I was around the same <laughs> age. They had a legendary A&R person uh, out of the United States called Rob Stevenson, who mm. was the main... Uh, Person, But we wound up with the band in Canada because they wanted to be on an indie label. And we were sort of there before everyone, before Bidding War. And um, so I was there from the beginning until about after Chuck, I think, uh, came out. And so I definitely saw them from a a point where they were playing to nobody to the MTV 20th anniversary show and uh, all that kind of stuff. And a funny story about Pain for Pleasure, since you brought it up, (laughs) Uh, I was in Montreal at the time. That's where our label was. And so we had in Montreal, uh, Musique Plus, which was uh, French MTV, basically. And so I was dispatched to go take Fat Lip Pain for Pleasure video down there and play it for the head programmer and tell him what was going on. Because now, you know, Half Hour Power had come out. You know, this was a big deal. Fat Lip was going to radio and this was going to be a big hit. And he wanted me to edit out Pain for Pleasure at the yeah. end. Yeah. And by the what? time, by the time I had turned around, like let's say it was going to take me, because it's not like today where I could do it in 10 seconds and send it over. It was mm-hmm. like you had to take the beta tape and go to an editor and get it cut up and then take back the beta tape, right? It was like an analog process. So maybe that took me two days. By the time, it took i i got there it had taken off so big so quick that he just started playing the the one with with the ending right cuz he had to it was like the best one of the best parts of the video <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> but they got a lot of respect for bringing in um like the metal side of things to pop punk cuz no one was really kind of doing it and i remember you know they did that uh, Spider-Man song for the movie with Carrie King from Slayer.
1: Yes. Oh, I and they forgot did a song about with,
3: that. Yeah, and then they did a song with Iggy Pop. Um and uh they had a lot of respect from that community because that community had suffered a little bit from the grunge era. That it's not, you know, that they were hair bands necessarily, but just even the whole kind of metal community kind of got shoved down there a little bit mm-hmm. at the time. So they they had a lot of fans. I remember going to Vegas and we saw Anthrax and Judas Priest with Ripper as a singer, and all those bands loved them. You know, when we like after the show would, you know, the, the super endeared to that whole community. So it was a good, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm still pretty close with uh, Dave Brown sound, and he's the godfather to my daughter. And uh, I saw Stevo in Palm Springs a few years ago and had dinner with him. And I see Cone a lot, and uh, I did see Derek. Uh, i'm to say the december before covid uh the dirty nail opened for some 41 in buffalo at a radio show so i got to reunite and say hi to derek after 20 some odd years of not seeing him so it was pretty wow. cool yeah and he's in great shape he looked awesome the band was incredible they're totally at the top of their game again and uh it's really nice to see after you know the public uh, troubles that derek had that he's uh he's got it together and they're they're amazing their live show is incredible
0: I gave you two no. nothing on that exchange because I just spent the last like six <laughs> minutes just mesmerized by Derek Wibley's hair. It's good hair. I mean, it's, just, it's good. It's hair. magnificent. That's how I'm trying to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you, you got sort of some Wibley-esque altitude there, Lisa. It's coming together. I'm
1: it. trying. I got, I got, I gave, I, I, I turned 35, had an existential crisis and it was during <laughs> quarantine um. So you know what happens when all of that combines with a <laughs> pair of scissors. So now I'm 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 having my own hair journey. So I'm trying.
0: It's growing out. All right. I, I want to talk to Mike while we have him here about recording agreements. So a little bit Ooh. of background about the whole break the business philosophy. We have around here what I'd like to call a, we'll call it a healthy skepticism of traditional record label models. I wrote a book a few years ago, also called Break the Business, where Mm -hmm. I, I sort of point out some of the dangers of conventional record deals. And among the things that we talk about in the book is the fact that a lot of people who sign these deals don't actually own the works that they create. I think one of the things that was pretty groundbreaking about Taylor Swift winning Album of the Year last week was that was actually i think it was her third time winning album of the year and the first time where she actually owned the masters owned that one mm-hmm. album of the year because of the previous record deals that she was under and i i know you've spoken a little bit in the past about you know some qualms you've had about the traditional label model and you've talked a bit about sort of what you think could be the future of recording agreements a future that could be more equitable to artists can you reflect a bit on that Sure. I mean, I definitely
3: think that there's aspects of major label deals that are important at a certain level of your career. I mean, you just can't scale the world without a coordinated network and the amount of money that they're willing to put into your career. Because, I mean, streaming and social media, it's not a voodoo. It's, and it's not a space that really lends itself to moments of virality anymore. It's really, you know, you grind your fan base and then you have the right to pay to speak to them. And then hopefully you can speak to other people outside of them and bring them in. So then you can then pay to speak to more people. Um, It doesn't really feel like an equitable system to me. So um, I'm in a fortunate position in Canada that we have an insane amount of government funding for the arts. Mm -hmm. And because of our track record and there's a lot of companies that do better than we do in this regard, uh, we're able to develop artists in a different kind of way up here. So, I take the philosophy of a a manager, but I'm really a content creator. I teach my artists to think like television, and that was prior to COVID. You know, we're really broadcasting to the world while we're doing local physical events wherever we are. But we're still broadcasting to the world. And that was a philosophy uh, that came out of us being frustrated that rock music wasn't streaming in these ecosystems. And we were like, why did that happen? And we traced it back and was, it was evident, you know, the rock audience didn't mature through the technological advancements of Napster, fought social media, you know, rock bands are always the one that are hardest to figure out how to do Instagram and how to do now TikTok and nobody wants to do the new one. And, and it's just, a, it's just actually just a change in a frame of mind on where to start, how to do it in a way that's really natural and unburdened and not frightful and, um, you know, we looked at EDM and hip-hop artists with the Dirty nil, and we were like, hey, well, why are they doing so well? They're broadcasting 24 hours a day and their lifestyle looks like rock and roll. It's pyro and it's hot people and it's drugs and it's sex and it's sweaty and it's all the things that rock and roll used to be. And then you go to see a rock and roll live stream and you can't even, like, get a band to play, uh, like, electric on a live stream because it doesn't sound good. So we just... Sent you know we took one person off the road and we put a, someone filming twenty four hours a day and after every show we would do a one minute recap the next day for everyone of what we were doing on the road and we just started broadcasting twenty four hours a day and we're I'm able to provide a different type of record contract because of this funding I can and because of the way that I work as and the way that I think I'm a manager and I have a record label and I have a record label infrastructure that I use to grow my artists. And my philosophy is that I want to grow them to a point that when I need a major label, I don't have to do things that will get me in trouble down the road, like give up masters or if You'll I'm going to the give them up, master, yeah. Or if I'm going to give them up, then I'm going to get the kind of money that someone's not going to care in 20 years from now that they gave <laughs> up their masters. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's their personal decision as to what they want to do. And now we have everybody selling their, you know, publishing um, for big numbers to different companies and, that's, I think, just a natural progression of the rights management and the amount of bands that are, and artists that are older now, and how much success they had, and they want to cash in now because they're older, and the younger bands are trying to fight through the system, and it's a really uh, tough time right now. I wouldn't, out of the gate, sign an artist necessarily to a major label deal unless it was. Uh, malleable and unless there were things in there that would prevent us from getting locked in, if we didn't meet certain criterias. I mean, one thing I'd always used to negotiate when I was dealing with bigger companies on a tour support level was I'd say, okay, look it, you're going to give us up to this much. Let's say it's 50 grand. But if I need more than that, then you'll get a piece of the touring. Mm. But if I can keep my costs down mm. under 50 grand, then we get to keep that revenue stream. Right? So I'm working with you as a partner. I If I need that money to take this to the next level, I'm going to come get it and I'm going to give you your stream. I don't care because at that point you're investing and it's mm-hmm. worthwhile for me to give it to you. But if I can go out there and save everybody money and get the momentum going, then I I need an advantage there, right? And most people, you figure out what the number threshold is and and it works out, right? And then that puts the onus on on us to be good partners in those situations. And I think that most of the time when people get to a place with Taylor, it's because people aren't good partners anymore.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So anyway. No, and, and I think it's kind of interesting because I think also from from your perspective, it it kind of makes it so that you have to be cr- maybe more creative with with some of the ways that, that you promote and sometimes having that kind of creativity through budgetary restrictions <laughs> is oftentimes where a lot of innovation ends up happening. Um, you know, folks figuring out how to promote themselves doing silly stuff and charging money for it because it's like well we don't mind being silly on camera and if people are gonna pay us to do this or whatever screw it fine so it's 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 the people who figure out kind of authentic ways to display themselves relatively cheaply that usually ends up paying off in the long run (laughs)
3: you're uh, you're absolutely right and uh authentic was the, the right word i mean you can be silly and if you're like you know, if if what you're emitting is endearing and charming, you know, in that moment, then people are immediately Usually, it involves a dog or a baby, right? <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, everyone's everyone's there. I have an artist named Theo Tams who uh, kind of struck gold on TikTok because he's a Great Dane who nuzzles up in here when he sings. Aww. So he did one, and then all of a sudden, popped off a million views and fifty thousand followers in a month because the great Dane, you know. <laughs> Exactly. It just just sounds good, right?
0: (laughs) It does. I want that all over my For You page. That's adorable. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting hiddenpony.ca. Parkside here joining us, talking about the future of recording agreements, giving us some gems about female underrepresentation in music. Super unexpected and outstanding. Um, I was going to ask him the final question, Elisa, but do you want to take this one? I feel like you'll (laughs) knock it out of the park.
1: Oh, sure. Um. <clears throat> oh, okay. Hold on. I'm going to do my best, Brian. Oh,
0: no, um, no, no. I'm going to regret this.
1: <clears throat> Here at Break the Business, we like to empower indie creators. So for the final question, I always like to ask, <laughs> what advice do you have to empower the indie creators that might be listening to us in order for them to get ahead in their own careers?
3: <laughs> oh my God. How did she do? Ryan good. That is good, right?
0: Oh God, it hurts so much. hey can't even.
3: You she can't looked even into my that.
0: soul, Mike.
3: I love it. I feel
0: so vulnerable.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my God!
3: <laughs> the, the the cadence, like just raw. It was really good. That was really really good. I, I have
1: known you that. since the previous millennia, my dude. <laughs> <laughs>
3: amazing that's incredible Uh, what was the question again no i'm just just, what
1: advice do you have for indie creators listening and watching at home
3: oh my god Uh, well listen uh what's my my best advice try to figure out how how to do as much as you can on your own like and if you can't then try and find a friend who's really good at the stuff you don't know how to do like, and especially if it's someone who has video skills or graphic design skills, cause then you can really workshop your brand and you can work things. And, you know, I know that sounds like a, a bad word brand, but I'll tell you, it really, when you dive into it, it's not so scary and it really helps you focus on what you want to say and what the exaggerated parts of your personality that you're going to give to the world and what you're going to keep behind for yourself. So I think just like try and figure out how to do as much as you can for yourself, as long as possible. And then when you get to that, record deal that scary record deal you'll be in a good spot
0: mike you've been absolutely tremendous thank you so much for tolerating our craziness you know nor- no, normally this great. is where we send the guest out but let me ask do you happen to be like a movie guy at all do you like watching movies <sighs>
3: I have movie narcolepsy. Like honestly, I work so much that the second I put a movie on, I'm literally asleep in about thirty seconds. In a movie theater, it doesn't matter where I am. Really? So, wow. I love movies, but if you want to ask me what, what the first two minutes of any movie, I can. That's that's <laughs> about as far as it goes.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, like, I mean, you you can duck out Let's if, try. if Let's you try. like, but no. But here, here's why I ask. Okay, you know, we'll we'll keep you around here for this because. Um, you know I'm and frightened. we're we're like way over our time on this, but I don't care because i've been I've been wanting to do this segment the Sir, whole show so Ryan
1: best practices indicate that twitch rewards higher uptime for discoverability so you're you're fine all okay. right
0: so then this is for the uptime then we're gonna we're gonna supersize it this week all right so the oscars have been announced right and um In school, every so, and years I, so, oh on hang on great so, everybody's talking about the Oscars these days
1: oh, and
0: these I have fallen in love with the TikTok account at My Girl Anne. Are you familiar with her, Elisa?
1: <laughs> yes. You know who I've, this I've, is. I've seen these come across my for you page, and they are excellent every time. Okay,
0: time. yeah, these are these are absolutely wonderful. Um, let me make sure that I'm, I'm sharing my screen now. I'm going to make sure that I have the audio up for this. Um, so basically, to, to to get Parkside clued in, uh, what this oh. is is uh, so My Girl Anne on TikTok. She does this thing where she she uses like you know how when you watch the Oscars, they always introduce like the best picture nominees and they always lay out this like beautiful monologue talking about this movie. And it's always makes it sound like the best movie that's ever been made. And so what my girl Anne has figured out is that you can use this same kind of language and flow and cadence to make any movie sound spectacular. And so she's put out a bunch of TikToks where okay. she introduces movies like they're at the Oscars, but they're pretty mediocre movies. And so I, I want to play a couple of these before I get into the next piece here, because th- like these make me laugh. All right, here we go.
2: A young African woman moves to the audio. United States and attempts to assimilate in a Midwestern school in the years leading up to the Great Economic Recession. A classic story of growing up.
0: Oh, do we not up. have audio? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is, and we're live let me try that one more time i thought you were going
3: to kind of do the voice ryan as if it was her okay like elisa did for you all right
0: take two. Oh god we're gonna leave this all in all right here we go now you should be able to hear volume i hope i pray
2: <laughs> a, a young african yep. okay. woman moves to the united states and attempts to assimilate in a midwestern school in the years leading up to the great economic recession A classic story of growing up, falling in love, and dreaming big is made poignant with a heartfelt script and performances by a fetching young ensemble cast. This is Mean Girls. (laughs) A young African woman. (laughs) So good.
0: Oh, oh my God. So this second one is my, if it's the one I'm thinking of, is my absolute favorite. favorite. And as music people, we're all going to dig this.
2: A struggling artist, aging past his prime, must fight against a rigid institution that threatens his very way of life. When he finds himself trapped in a tangled web of lies, he realizes he must teach an unlikely band of young misfits how to lead the way. A radical musical about courage, luck, and finding your voice, this is School of Rock. The <laughs> struggling artist.
1: Wow. I... I love oh these.
2: So
0: she's got a bunch of them on her TikTok, and every single one of them makes me laugh. And so because I'm a huge dork about this, I, I, I got so into these that I made a bunch of my own. And so, oh, boy, I want to play a game with you guys. All right OK? I'm going to read the overly grandiose Oscar-style movie description, and you try to tell me what movie it is. Okay. So we'll start from the, we'll start with the first one here.
3: Do we just jump in or do we let you do the ooh, whole
0: thing? Ooh, that's a good question. Ooh, like like are ooh. we competing? Like buzz in? Oh, do you yeah, buzz in? Buzzing? Um okay, here are the rules. We're going to do this or make up the rules on the fly. You can buzz in early if you think you have it, but if you are wrong, you you forfeit the rest of that round. You can't try a second time. Is that fair? Okay. So it's like mm-hmm. a little okay, risk it. reward action here. Okay. 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 Hang on, I got to do my, uh, you know, my best like, dramatic diz- film voice. Tom- yeah, you know, the, And like and like the, the fans <laughs> are clapping. All right. From the director of the gritty masterpiece Joker comes an uncompromising portrait of what happens when the best night of your life becomes a nightmare. The unforgiving desert. Oh, you got it. Whoa! Ah. Whoa! I didn't even get to wow. the second sentence. Wow. Movie narcolepsy, my butt. You are <laughs> you are a genius at this. <laughs> Wow! I might have pool, pool sharked you here. And we got hustled. Parkside hustled mm. us, Alisa. So, can sorry. I do the rest of it? Because I put a lot of work yeah, into yeah, these. So, I got so excited, yeah. sorry. The unforgiving <laughs> desert sun bears down on a team of friends out of their element. We follow these men on their bizarre journey as they are running out of time to find one of their own and to find memories lost. This is The Hangover.
3: Wow. Yeah, that was great.
0: Okay. That was great. So... Yeah, Parkside's kicking your butt, Alisa. Okay. I I didn't know. I didn't know, like you know, you he was going to bring it that we had like the Gene Siskel of this game here. All right, here we go. Number two, we got three of these. Walt Disney Pictures brings us an emotionally charged film where we watch a successful defense lawyer fall from grace when he finds himself on the wrong side of the law. A post Reaganomics Minnesota serves as the backdrop for the story of redemption. Our hero's journey back to greatness is an arduous one forcing him to confront his childhood demons, connect with the wayward youth of his community, and rekindle a relationship with the game he loves. This is... Liar, Liar. No. Uh-oh. Good oh, guess, I though. I was also
1: going to guess Liar, Liar. I was totally thinking Liar, <laughs> Liar. But...
3: Do you need to hear it is again? It, or is, you... it a- is it animated or is it live action? Give it's us li- a
0: live action.
3: Yeah, live action. Disney
0: this one's tough,
3: tough one.
0: hook yeah. oh that's it's a, a good guess those are both very good guesses the answer is this is the mighty ducks
3: oh, oh. <laughs> you you admitted the hockey references so evan, that
1: evan is quacking furiously <laughs> right now just furious quacks just furious quacks
0: okay Oh, I just realized that people in the chat are playing. I love this. The shake team. <laughs> all right. Last one. <clears throat> okay. Let's all compose ourselves.
1: Okay.
0: A high-powered banking executive's life collapses around him as he is caught in a web of lies, deceit, and betrayal by those he trusted the most. Watch as a first-time director courageously paints a harrowing picture of the dark side of passion and takes us on a journey to where a journey to where a bizarre love triangle brings a good person to an untimely demise. It's a film that stays with you, that you will watch again and again, and that will tear you apart. This is...
3: Yeah, the one with Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore and Robert Redford. And Decent Proposal.
0: That's a good guess, but it's not right. (laughs) And frankly. It sounds like that too. Frankly, <laughs> knowing Elisa as well as I know her, I am just I am furious that she does not know this one. I am furious, just just angry, just apoplectic. Is Evan there? Evan will get this.
1: No. <laughs> he is he is has oh. exited the building on the podcast.
0: This is for the tie.
1: This is for the tie. Oh. Like, one
0: Elisa. more hit me, hit okay. me,
1: hit me, hit me, one more time. I'm gonna get, give it to time.
0: you one more time. Like yeah, I really yeah. want this to go into tie and I know I know this one's in your universe, Elisa. Oh, Like, you're going to get so mad at yourself.
1: I'm I'm, going to be pissed.
0: A high-powered banking executive's life collapses around him as he is caught in a web of lies, deceit, and betrayal by those he trusted the most. Watch as a first-time director courageously paints a harrowing picture of the dark side of passion and takes us on a journey to where a bizarre love triangle brings a good person to an untimely demise. It's a film that stays with you, that you will watch again and again, and that will tear you apart. This is—it's a lot of hints in those last. Sentences. I know, yeah. The last three words, like, yeah, almost, almost there. bring it home.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's it—it it sucks because, like, I want this to be Gremlins too. <laughs> it's
0: not great. No, what? <laughs> I, I'm. I feel. I feel bad for both of us because when I am going to say what this is, and I know it's going to just you are going to you are going to be upset for weeks. Okay, hey, wait, 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 Hold on,
3: hold on. Don't do it yet. Just give us the last couple sentences. Again. Okay,
0: it's a film that stays with. Okay, so I'll, I'll take it two it sentences. Stays back. with
3: you. It stays yeah. with you. Watch
0: as a first-time director courageously paints a harrowing picture of the dark side of passion and takes us on a journey to where a bizarre love triangle brings a good person to an untimely demise. It's a film that stays with you. That you will watch again and again. And, again. and that will tear you, you apart. apart. This is.
1: The story of a girl who cried <laughs> a river and drowned a whole world.
3: Here. I wanna, uh, I wanna guess Jaws now.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna read it one more time, and I know Elisa will get it here. It's a film that stays with you, that you will watch again and again, and that will tear you apart. Uh!
1: the room it's the you should rim- have uh, uh, you should have added something yeah. you know you should have something uh, added about some this 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 movie hits its high mark and <laughs> you like like come on you gotta oh but that's
3: good that's yeah a wise its a wise-o first time
1: to yeah. <laughs> the a of passion yeah. you should do that you, you are my rose reference You are my rose. <laughs> <laughs> so Parkside, you're a you're a the room fan.
0: Uh, you should have been all over this too. I man. know, but I, uh, I'm just gonna say I won one
3: nothing. You so. did, no, that's true,
0: that's true. true. Like a, a low scoring affair, but Parkside takes it. Oh my yeah. god. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's. I, I share it with you as a,
3: as an equal. I share I share the win with you. Okay. <laughs> oh, right.
0: You. I appreciate that. So, appreciate so that. Parkside, you, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for for being silly with us this week and for sharing so much great insight. Uh, We really appreciate you joining us.
3: Hey, thanks so much for having me, and uh, let me know if you want to talk to Karen. I'll definitely hook you up.
0: Let's do it, my man. She's awesome. Alisa, thank you for bringing it as always. Uh, This is always a joy. And thanks to the, the viewers and listeners. We'll see you all next week on Break the Business.